Hi, and welcome to Title Now. This is Melissa Murphy, General Counsel at the Fund. The Fund is celebrating its 70th birthday this year, and the Fund has always been willing to embrace change to meet the needs of its members. So, in that spirit, we have launched Title Now to create new opportunities for our members to learn about topics of interest to Florida real estate lawyers and their staff. I envision these podcasts to be primarily in the form of conversations between two or more people. Occasionally, you might be stuck with a monologue from yours truly, but I hope to avoid that as much as possible. The goal is to make them interesting and thoughtful. Topics will include industry trends, economic trends, news about things here at the fund, legal issues, practice issues, We want these podcasts to cover a broad range. The guiding principle is for them to be of value to fund members. And hey, if someone else out there in the title industry listens in, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today's podcast is an example of a substantive issue that hits on all of the types of topics I just mentioned. 1031 exchanges. 1031, or like-kind exchanges, uh, which is a very common reference, these are pretty uh, usual occurrences in the world of commercial real estate, so it's a good practice topic. 1031 exchanges are also on the possible chopping block for tax reform being discussed in Washington, D.C. right now, so it's a timely topic also. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go over some basics, talk about the benefits to the taxpayer, a few public policy considerations behind this tax treatment, and then get into some of the details. For many of you, this will be a review, and that's perfectly fine. For others, this may be your first exposure to 1031 exchanges. And so we'll give you some additional resources to look at to find out more information. I'm excited to have with me today Janet Shaw from Old Republic Exchange Company. Janet works with title agents, attorneys, and realtors all around Florida, and she helps them with their 1031 transactions. She's a title industry veteran with over 20 years of experience in the title insurance industry. She's a member of the Federation of Exchange Accommodators, a member of CREW in Tampa Bay, and a business partner affiliate with numerous realtor organizations around Florida. Janet is also an approved speaker through the Department of Financial Services, and she frequently lectures on 1031 Exchange Basics. So welcome, Janet. Thank you so much, Melissa. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about what is a 1031 exchange. Um, 1031 exchange refers to the Internal Revenue Code. The section of the code is where you'll find the rules and regulations giving special tax treatment to the transfer of real estate if you actually meet those rules. The 1031 exchange allows an owner to sell their income or investment real estate and defer the capital gains tax. By deferring the payment of the tax, it actually frees up that money uh, for capital, for investment in another building or another project. Uh, It encourages investment, encourages the purchase and sale of real estate, which allows new buyers to get into the business. 
So, Janet, that sort of sounds like uh, the public policy reasons behind Congress uh, enacting 1031 exchanges. And so do you... You're right. Yeah. So do you sense that that is a real advantage that taxpayers see to 1031 exchanges? Most definitely. So, Janet, what are the basic requirements for an owner to be able to treat their property sale as a 1031 exchange and defer the payment of taxes? First off, Melissa, they have to buy or exchange, uh, relinquish property and exchange it for their replacement property, and it has to be like-kind. This can let be done... You, uh, uh, look, let, let me interrupt you there and ask you... Oh, what is meant by like-kind? Does it have to be exactly the same type of real estate? No. Actually, with, a, with real estate, you could exchange a uh, vacant land for a single-family residence. Um, you can actually um, exchange for many different kinds of property. It doesn't have to, it's like-kind, meaning it has to be real estate and used for investment. So it sounds like a pretty simple standard. For example, you yes. could exchange a shopping center for an office building. Correct. Are there different ways that these transactions can be structured? Yes. You can actually do uh, the exchange in four different methods. The delayed exchange is the most common method. That's essentially where the taxpayer is selling their relinquished property first and then acquiring their replacement property. There's also the simultaneous exchange, and that is essentially where the taxpayer is selling and acquiring the properties all in the same transaction. There's the reverse exchange where the taxpayer is acquiring the replacement property prior to selling the relinquished property. And then there's the construction or the they also call it the improvement exchange, which basically is your your you're making capital improvements to replacement property or you're making, uh, buying, working on new construction. Wow, it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility for a seller to take advantage of the 1031 treatment. Do you see examples of all these different types of structures in your experience? Oh, most definitely. I mean, obviously, the delayed exchange is the most common, um, but we do see all, all different methods used. Um, one thing to remember is that relinquished property must be used and held for investment for at least two years prior to participating in an exchange. Uh, property flips do not qualify as they most often do not meet the two-year holding requirement. Ah, so at least there's, there's that restriction on a seller that they have to hold for two years. Hmm. Correct. So what you hear a lot of discussion around or what I get a lot of questions about is this concept of a qualified intermediary. Uh, how, what is that in the context of a 1031 exchange and how does that work? Basically the purpose, Melissa, is to prevent the exchanger, which is also you know, the taxpayer, from having constructive receipt of funds. Uh, they have to make certain that the rules of the exchange are followed as to prevent any missteps uh, that could potentially invalidate an exchange. The requirements for someone to act as a QI, I mean, it, it, Melissa, it's an unregulated industry. Uh, therefore, literally anyone can act as a QI. So it's important for a taxpayer exchanger to research who their QI is and use a company with the experience, financial strength, stability, and security, such as 
over public exchange. The QI also should be covered by professional liability, errors and emissions, and a fidelity bond. And older public exchange meets all of that criteria. Isn't there a requirement that the qualified intermediary not have a, a pre-existing relationship with the taxpayer or an ongoing relationship with the taxpayer? Because I get that questions correct. like that a lot from attorneys who represent the taxpayer, but they also want to act as the qualified intermediary. Is that possible? No. I mean, you're absolutely right, Melissa. They cannot have any kind of uh, prior relationship with the taxpayer um, within the last several years. It has to be a third party um, that actually does access a QI. That makes sense so that the taxpayer isn't deemed to be in receipt of the sales proceeds through their agent or their QI. Correct. We already touched on the types of property that qualify, and I think a little-known aspect of 1031 exchanges is that it does apply to both personal property and real estate and while I recognize that your company only deals with real estate, are, there, are you familiar with sort of typical situations in which 1031s are used for personal property exchanges? Yes. Um, actually, we do uh, like-kind personal property exchanges. We don't do them very often, but we do have them, especially in Florida. Um, oh. We do a lot of boat exchanges. Uh, Farmers use us. They exchange livestock of the same sex, uh, dental equipment for dental equipment, automobiles for automobiles. As long as the like-kind personal property is used for uh, business investment purposes, it can uh, usually qualify for 1031 exchange tax treatment. Well, I bet you do see a lot of boat exchanges. I never thought of that. Most definitely. Let's talk a little bit about the relative values of both the relinquished property and the replacement property. What if a taxpayer exchanges their property for a replacement property that is worth less than the relinquished property? How does that work? You know, Melissa, they can do that, um, but to get the full tax deferral, uh, they, they really should, you know, purchase a property uh, acquire a replacement property that is equal or greater in value than the relinquished property. If the property is worth less, they will be taxed accordingly on the difference. Um, and basically, that's just called a partial exchange. If they're not putting the full proceeds into replacement property, they call that a partial exchange. And we do always encourage the taxpayer, if they are considering a partial exchange, that they should consult with their CPA or other tax consultant. Well, that makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about this deferred exchange and how that works. So if I'm a taxpayer and I have someone who wants to buy my property, but I want to make sure that it gets 1031 exchange treatment and I haven't identified the replacement property, what are there guidelines and rules that I have to follow in order to be able to complete a 1031 exchange? Um, this is okay, Melissa. Uh, quite often an exchanger comes into the transaction with a property already identified, but if they don't, um, they actually have 45 days to identify a replacement property. 
and they can do that in one of three ways. Um, there are three rules of identification. Uh, there's the three property rule where they can basically identify up to three properties of any value. Uh, there's the 200% rule where they can identify any number of properties as long as the fair market value does not exceed 200% of the relinquished property. Um, and the three property rule and 200% rule are the most commonly used. Uh, there's also the 95% exception rule uh, where they can still qualify if they acquire 95% of the value of all properties identified. Uh, this rule is a little bit uh, more obscure. People do not use it as it has a, a lot of um, chance for failure um, as some properties are sold in the, in the identification period. Um, so a lot of people uh, we, we kind of steer away from that particular rule. So you've explained that you have 45 days to identify replacement property and you have 180 days to finalize the closing on the replacement property. When does the clock start ticking on these two periods of time? The clock starts ticking on the exchange timeline following the closing on the relinquished property. So as soon as they close on their relinquished property, that starts uh, the 45-day time, time period to identify replacement property. Uh, if the exchanger fails to identify replacement property in those 45 days, that's considered a failed exchange and the proceeds are returned after the expiration of the 45-day window. And is it the same thing with the 180-day deadline to close on the replacement property? Yes. Um, if the exchanger fails to close on the replacement property within the 180 days, uh, this also constitutes a failed exchange, and the proceeds will be returned on the day concluding the end of the exchange timeline, which would be the 181st day. So how many times can a taxpayer utilize 1031 like-kind exchange treatment? I mean, can they take a piece of property and exchange it, and then take that piece of property and exchange it, and so on? Yes, I mean, they literally can do this over and over until they finally cash out, um, because the gain is based on the taxable basis on the very first property. Some individuals uh, will choose to do exchanges as part of estate planning and pass property onto their heirs at a stepped-up basis uh, where essentially all that tax is forgiven. Wow, that really opens up a lot of advantages to a taxpayer. Yes. So what types of services uh, does your company provide that can help fund members with their transactions that they think might qualify for 1031? You know, we act as a qualified intermediary as required by the U.S. Treasury regulations, and we assist the exchanger to affect his or her tax-deferred exchange. We also prepare all the documents required for the exchange, uh, the exchange agreement, instructions of the closer. Uh, we execute the closing documents as principal, as seller in the relinquished property closing, and as buyer in the replacement property closing. We hold the exchange proceeds to avoid constructive receipt of funds. Uh, we also coordinate and consult with closing agents, uh, real estate professionals, and tax and legal advisors. Does the buyer of the relinquished property have to consent to the 1031 treatment? Is that part of the documentation that you prepare? Yeah, most um, Florida uh, contracts will have 1031 language built in there. So if it's already built into the contract, then we can use that language uh, to effect effectuate the exchange. 
Um, if it's not included in the contract, we will provide an addendum uh, that meets the uh, criteria with the 1031 language that both buyer and seller will have to sign off on. Well, it sounds like conceptually that this is not terribly confusing, but once we get into a discussion, there are definitely some intricacies to the rules that have to be followed. So do you have a, a website that our listeners can go to and get more information? Yes, we do, Melissa, and it is www.orexco1031.com. Great. I hope you found this interesting. I would love feedback on these podcasts, so please send me an email and let me know what you think. The email address is m.murphy at thefund.com. And share your ideas for future topics and guests that I could have on the show. Thank you, Janet, for joining us and providing great information for our members. So that's our show for today. I hope you tune in again and listen. And as always, thank you for your support of the fund. <laughs>